to believe in Ledger, you didn't have to believe any particular crypto narrative. You just had to believe that there will be more digital assets tomorrow than there were yesterday and that security will be an issue. Right. Okay. Check and check. And there's another important one, I think, with Ledger is that you have to believe in the importance of self-custody and that self-custody is itself something important that humanity will value in the future. Hey everyone, Kevin Rose here. Welcome to another episode of Proof. I am thrilled to be back on multiple levels. One came down with COVID a couple weeks ago, just coming out of that, feeling a lot better. And then also just all of the chaos that has been happening with Moonbirds uh, has kept me so busy. And I apologize for the lack of episodes, but it is certainly good to be back and recording more Proof episodes. And we hope to return to our our regular weekly cadence uh, here very soon. Moonbirds was a smashing success, kind of blew us away, and we've been just really busy hiring up a team to kind of flesh out and build out all the different product plans that we have over the next 12 to 18 months. So we couldn't be more excited to have the capital to go and just build amazing products. Speaking of which, I'm going to be refocusing uh, my efforts and and focus solely on all things proof and and Moonbirds, which means that I am actually moving. So I'm moving down to Los Angeles, California. The vast majority of uh, meetings that I've been doing over the last uh, series of weeks um, with all different types of creatives, uh, some of the engineers I'm talking to, some of the media companies that I'm talking to do partnerships with, almost all of it is happening out of Los Angeles. So it just makes a lot of sense to call that our new home base. My co-founder, Justin, is moving out there as well. It is uh, really exciting, but as you can imagine, taking your whole family and moving from Oregon to Los Angeles, uh, and then also opening up an office at the same time. I was just down there last week looking at office spaces, and we're getting ready to pull the trigger on an office so we could build out a proper studio there, finally get our video podcasting productions up and running. Lots of stuff going on, as you can imagine. So this episode is very exciting. I've been looking forward to recording with Ian for quite some time. Today's guest is Ian Rogers, and Ian has been a friend of mine for a while now, and just someone I'm really respected, and I'd always heard about operating in this space, but really never had a chance to connect with until more recently. When I say I've previously heard about him, it's because he's done so many crazy creative things as an entrepreneur. First starting out as the founding webmaster, what they used to call them webmasters back in the 90s, the founding webmaster of the beastieboys.com website when he went on tour with the Beastie Boys, which is just insanity, must have been a ton of fun. And then ended up being the VP and general manager of Yahoo Music, executive chairman and CEO of Topspin, the CEO of Beats Music, uh, senior director of Apple Music, and just goes on and on. Actually, one of the roles I do want to highlight is he was the chief digital officer for LVMH, which is a massive, massive multi-billion dollar luxury con- conglomerate, which is uh, just a huge undertaking. And then now is the chief experience officer at Ledger, really coming in and making Ledger a, a really easy to use product, fixing a lot of the pain points that we're having in crypto. And we get into a lot of that today. So let's have a chat with him. This is Ian Rogers. Ian, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me. Glad we can do this. Yeah. I mean, we rescheduled this podcast like 10 times. So I think it's probably for the best. You know, last time we were supposed to 
talk, it was on the eve of the Moonbirds launch. And I just feel like you might have had a couple things on your mind that day. Yeah, that's right. I remember you were so gracious to let me reschedule because it was just like there was so much going on and I was traveling back uh, and it was just it was a, a lot on all different fronts. So well, congratulations. That's we... that oh, thank super, you. super fun to watch from I was at Bright Moments in Berlin that weekend, but all eyes on Moonbirds. Yeah, it's been it's been a crazy few weeks. So it's been one of those things where I've been running around desperately trying to hire people up and and just, you know, plug a bunch of holes and and get staff on board to build all these ambitious things that we want to build. But um you also are working on very ambitious things that is part of the reason why I wanted to have you on the show and and cover um all of that. But I think the a uh, great thing would be, I mean, you just you are so um you have so much history in the space and in technology and being a, a technologist and building fantastic things in the past. I'd love to start with like your journey to where you are today. Cause that's a, a great story to tell. Sure. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a little long, so I try to make it, I try to make it brief, but I, I mean, I've, I've always been, and I, I think it's actually important in some ways I've always been a record collector and I do feel like, you know, there's something about being a, a, a record collector, a vinyl collector, a collector of any kind that makes, you know, the world of NFTs make, pretty quick sense to you. So the fact yeah. that I've been co collecting records since I was five years old and, and programming computers since I was eight years old certainly plays into the story. Um, but then I was, I was a skateboarder in high school. The computers kind of disappeared from my house when yeah, I was same. 14 years old because, you know, my, my mom, my stepdad divorced and then it was just for me skateboarding and punk rock. And that, that also is important in the journey actually, because I, I always felt like you know, if, if you'd ever made a zine with a Sharpie and a photocopier that the internet made sense to you immediately because you saw this, this like distribution network that didn't exist. You know, I think if you're somebody who loves mainstream culture, that the internet is probably really disappointing because you get that sort of continual move toward away from mass and, and toward niche. But if you grew up loving niche, like me, it was like, you know, getting my mom to, to drive me from Goshen, Indiana to South Bend, Indiana, so I could buy a copy of Maximum Rock and Roll and then <laughs> mail order vinyl out of the back of Maximum Rock and Roll. Like then the internet comes along. You're like, oh man, this is, this is incredible. Like, look, you know, we, there's access to everything. Look, there's some site in Norway about death metal. You know, to me, that was what I loved about the internet when I, w when I really got on, when I started college in 1990. Um, and, and so I, I started college, I studied computer science. I, I, I built the first sort of search and stream system as a project for the Indiana University Music Library, pre-web on a next computer in the early, in the early 90s. Mm. And so that's a longer story that I won't bore you with, but that was 20 years then for me of Groundhog Day of building streaming music. I mean, I started building streaming music pre-web in the late 90s, was part of a little startup called Nullsoft that made Winamp and Shoutcast and Nutella, sold that to AOL. Then how, to a, how many people were there when you joined? There were, there were really, there, I was the first employee. So there was um, <laughs> Justin Frankel, who was the only person that ever touched the Winamp 2 code. There was Tom Pepper out in Iowa who, who like, did some of the interface design and kept the the servers alive. And then there was Rob Lord, um, who had started IUMA, the Internet Underground Music Archive, who came in to kind of be this this biz dev guy. And I had and I'm, that's not the right term. I mean, Rob was basically kind of adult supervision. Even though we Rob and I were only in our twenties, you know, we were probably close to ten years older than Justin at that time, who was you know seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old when he was doing Winamp. Um, and, and then I was, I came in to run winamp.com, which had, you know, 50,000 skins and 5,000 plugins oh and the skins, man, 
It's, it's very I love right. those skins. I mean, come on. The first the first NFT I ended up buying was uh was a was Winamp. And then somebody had done like a 3D rendering of what would Winamp be if you could put it in your pocket, basically. And that was the first NFT I bought. So Winamp was and, and Winamp was a family, really. Uh, to me, I just thought like you know we all hung out in 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 uh, Pound Nullsoft on EFNet, and you know I mean, people like Napster and the guys who went on to start you know Audio Scrobbler, which became Last.fm, were people that hung out in the mm-hmm. Nullsoft chat room. It was I mean in a way like. There's so much of this that feels like today, you know, I mean, pound, pound, Nullsoft and EFnet, what's the difference between that and a discord today? Like, right. I, I mean, same, same. Um, so it was, it was amazing. And then, so Rob and I left and um, I, I skipped an important part of the story. I dropped out of grad school in 1995 to go on tour with the Beastie Boys. And, and that was my introduction to the music business. And ultimately actually how I ended up at Nullsoft as well, because when I was on tour with the Beastie Boys in 1998, I was posting I was recording from the soundboard and then I would run backstage and you encode an MP3 at, at a DOS command line, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, and then post what those. What were you on. using for DOS? Was it FFmpeg? No, what was it? What was I think it was FFmpeg. That sounds right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, cause at that point we, you know, CD ripping and, and encoding was all command line stuff. That yeah, that's right. Barely a, 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 a GUI for it. Um, but then, but in those days also, and this really, this is all this stuff does remind me a lot of today. You know, you think about it, that was 1998 that we were on tour. If you look at kind of the, the curve of, of crypto or web three adoption today, it follows roughly the curve of the internet and tells you that we're in kind of 98, 99. And again, these were the days when, you know, if I posted an MP3 on beastieboys.com, I had to post an explainer on how to play it. Right. <laughs> you know, it was like your computer didn't come with an audio card. Your audio card didn't come with a speaker. You know, I mean, yeah, there was no, was it was Reno out then? Was there any portable players at all or no? No. I mean, the first one I remember was MP3 Man. And yes, that, I remember I, MP3 Man. Yeah. I think that was like 98 or 99 even. Remember and the then, Diamond Rio was shortly after the that? The Diamond Rio, which you could actually buy at Fry's. It was like, wow. And then there were some, because it was definitely 99. I think I had an, an in-dash. I feel like maybe it was a Pioneer mm-hmm. that would play a, a burned CD of, that mm-hmm. had MP3s on it. Yes. So you were starting You were starting to get that then. I mean, this is this is what it feels like to me today. Like, look, if you want to do a Web3 project today, You've, you've got to put up an explainer and an FAQ and then hold people's hand and tell them how to get through to it. And, you know, this is also why I have total confidence that the user experience will, will change. I mean, today we take for granted that you just hit play on your phone and music comes out of it. Right. right? And, and we, the, and, and in 98, 99, that vision was all there. Like we knew it would end up there, but none right. of the, of the technology was there. And, and so that, that's, it just feels so familiar and also yeah, people forget that it was it was a lot of work to like you know you'd get cd ripping software put your cds in make sure you had enough space and then yeah you would make your own folders and the the players had to support the the folder hierarchy in order to see the, all the different mp3s and it was it, it very oh, and much then, and all, is, all, the, all the metadata you know yeah, med- metadata exactly. editing and then oh what are you ripping at it's oh 128 is it <laughs> is it vbr abr cbr you know uh, and i mean now none of me, people don't even realize that it's a that that Spotify is Aug Vorbis and you know and Apple is AAC and by the way neither of them are MP3 right um so right. you know that there's that that it's it's just funny what we take for granted now but I think that's really illustrative I think that it's important to realize that you know this stuff will get worked out all of these usability pains and there are so many of them in Web three today of course they're going to get worked out it'll take ten years but they will ultimately get worked out and, and, and your identity will be in your wallet. 
Of course, your passport will be a digital document. Of course. And, and there are so many people, you know, today who, you know, don't believe that just like, you know, even in 2001, 2002, the music business thought they were going to sell compact discs forever. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, you know, talk to me in 10 years. It, it's, I feel, just feel the same way over and over and over today when, when people can't get their head around, you know, digital assets generally, it's like, you know, it was, was the internet in 1998, both overhyped and unquestionably, inevitably the future. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, same, same today. Um, so I think that's, that's where the, the lesson, the lesson really comes in this. But then for, for me, uh, I'll just to finish out the journey is it really kind of got the, got the gist of it in a way, because it was, it just kept going. I did Yahoo music, um, because, we, because Rob and I started another company that we sold to Yahoo in 2003 and Dave Goldberg brought us into, into Yahoo. So did Yahoo music. And when Dave left, left Yahoo, um, took over Yahoo music, did a company called Topspin, um, which was not a success. We raised 19 million in, in venture, sold it for three in the end. So a, an amazing company, amazing people, great experience, super proud of what we did from an idealistic perspective. And a lot of it carries on in, in, you know, in things like Bandcamp, et cetera. Um, but, but, but not, not a commercial success, which of course is a, is a, is a good lesson to learn. Then did Beats Music with Jimmy Ivey and Dr. Dre, Trent Reznor, Luke Wood, and, and, and that whole crew. I was the CEO of Beats Music, which was the, the streaming service. We, we sold the whole package to Apple, um, built Apple Music with Jimmy and Trent and my friend Zane Lowe, who I saw here in Los Angeles last night after too many years. It was so good to, so good to be back together. And, um, and then I get this call from France from... You know, they say, you know, have you ever heard of LVMH? And I said, no. I mean, I, I know now that that's, you know, because I'm a skateboarder from Indiana. But I mean, I, I heard of the brands, Louis Vuitton, uh, Celine, Dior, Hennessy, uh, you know, Tagure, Hublot, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't know there was one family in France that, 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 owned, that owned the whole thing. But, I, I, you know, I, I, I did my homework and I was super interested. Um, also, me, like meeting... And spending time with Alexander Arnaud and Bernard Arnaud and um, Nicola Brunel and other people from the group was just like kind of sold and and also just ready to eject from digital music because for me after that twenty years seeing Apple Music on every iPhone I was so proud you know it just felt like my life's work it's like wow we went from science fiction to every iPhone that's incredible. And yeah. it also, it felt like the finish line for me more than the starting line. I was like, okay, we did it. Um, but now what, like, am I, am I a music industry executive? That was never, never my goal personally. Um, and, uh, and then I had this opportunity to kind of eject out of that and do something else. So I took the, took the role of chief digital officer at LVMH, which was kind of, you know, it was an incredible because you've got this oversight of all of the brands. You get to look at all of the, all of the brands and all of the strategic plans and, and all of the, the, you know, budgets and et cetera, and inner workings of, of all of these truly incredible brands. I mean, you could teach, you know, you, you could get definitely Harvard Business School if they had access to, you know, what I had access to in terms of, you know, LVMH could, could teach forever. Uh, yeah, it's, on, it's quite on, the playbook. It's incredible, and 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 so so much of it is somewhat counterintuitive. You know, I mean, Michael Burkett at Louis Vuitton will tell you that everyone at the company has taken an oath against short-term revenue, and and they take a one hundred-year time horizon on all of their brands. Which for me, coming from you know from technology, was just like, wait, what? Like, 
I can't think past six months, a hundred years. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? But it was just incredible to be able to be that close to the, to the fire with those incredible CEOs and, and the family and the CEOs really are incredible. You know, if you think about it in music business, you've got a lot of people who love music, but are maybe not the, the best executives. Cause if they were, they might be in a bigger industry. Um, and then in tech, you've got a bunch of CEOs who are brilliant and their, you know, crime for being brilliant. I mean, sorry, their punishment for being brilliant inventors is to be a CEO. Right. Um, whereas at LVMH, you just have like world-class CEOs. You know, these guys are, you know, the best of the best. So for me, I feel like I went to business school for five years um, by, by working at LVMH. But also right when I moved to Paris, I met this guy, Pascal Gauthier, um, through our friend Toby Koppel uh, at Mosaic Capital. He's like, oh, Ian, you're moving to Paris. You got to meet Pascal's. Okay. And, but this guy, when I met him, I was just like, wait, who, who are you? Can, like, can we be friends? Because Pascal is so smart, so cool really iconoclastic, like not like all of the other people I was meeting when I, when I moved to France at all. And we became friends. Our families became friends, but Pascal happened to also be the first seed investor in this little French crypto company called Ledger. And this is, you know, seven years ago. And he went from, as the company scaled, the company was, you know, started by um, you know, some really brilliant uh, French technologists who, who knew, you know, cryptography and, and security and, and how to program these incredibly difficult to program secure chips. But as the company scaled, Pascal went from, you know, board member to president and ultimately CEO. And around 2018, we started talking about, you know, okay, what, is, there, is there a role for, for me in, in this? And, and for me, the pandemic was that moment where I was like, okay. You know, I've been five years at LVMH. I'm fully on board with the ledger. I, I buy throwing my opportunity costs in with ledger because from my calculus, like to believe in ledger, you didn't have to believe any particular crypto narrative. You just had to believe that there will be more digital assets tomorrow than there were yesterday and that security will be an issue. Right. Okay. Check and check. And there's another important one I think with ledger is that you have to believe in the importance of self-custody. And that self-custody is itself something important that humanity will value in the future, which, which I think is a conversation that, that you know, it, it can be debated. To me, there's no question. It's a, it's a right. It's a freedom. Um, and, and it's important. Um, so for me, you know, when you, if you believe in digital assets, if you believe in, you know, that security will be a key challenge within digital assets, and then, you know, you believe that self-custody is, is kind of a new a new right or a new freedom for humanity, mm-hmm. then, then Ledger is, you know, is like this incredible low beta on the entire digital asset space. So that's it. That's kind of my life story and how I, how I ended up here. Um, yeah. I think the only that's part fantastic. I left out is that, you know, I had a kid when I was 17 and that's been a huge part of my life. And it just in terms of like making me grow up fast and, you know, be a little more responsible than I, you know, than I was before. But yeah, yeah but that's, that's probably a good thing. Uh, as someone that was also a fellow skater and into the punk rock scene, uh, I dodged a few bolts there myself. So I definitely can appreciate anything that adds a little structure there. Exactly. And, and pulled me out of that because it, it was uh, it was fun. But, you know, you, you have I think that it, tell me if this is the case for you. I have like friends that went one of two directions. You know, it's like some some of us kind of like decided to get our shit together and, and actually, you know, 
build and make something and others kind of went the other path, unfortunately, but, um, totally. Yeah. I mean, and you're like, you, you know, when you're again, when you're a record collector and you're into, you know, you're into obscure shit, like you're, you're an obsessive compulsive on some level. Right. And, and then, and it's like, okay, what are you, what are you going to apply that to? Um, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, I always, I mean, we're all, we're all fucking crazy in some way. And I, I'm, I just feel lucky that the way I'm crazy has turned out to be, you know, useful to someone. Yeah, and I put I put tattoos on my fingers when I was you know 21 years old expressly so I would never have a real job like that was my reasoning for doing it mm-hmm. <laughs> as to protect my current my future self uh, you know from from that fate and I remember like sitting with Jerry Yang in a meeting at Yahoo and thinking God damn this didn't work like I yeah. really tr- I really tried but these guys still take me seriously. I must be good at something. Yeah, now it's getting even worse. It's like the cool thing. They're like, oh, he's he's old school, cool. Like, we, we want him around. <laughs> like, yeah, was, there's nothing you can do to pretty much offend anyone these days. Yeah, I know. And I'm sitting there with Ben, I don't know. Uh, I'm like, well, okay, I guess the tattoos didn't work. Um, I'll keep trying. Um, but no, I, I, do, I really do feel lucky that I get to kind of play in, play in both worlds. I get to like, you know, love music the way that i do and love culture the way that i do and that's why to me i mean even when i took you know when i took this job when i said yes to joining ledger it was um august and september of 2020 and i even then i had no idea that it would collide so directly with my previous life in music and at lvmh where i'm mm-hmm. you know talking to i mean i had two music nft meetings today already crazy <laughs> you know and, and it's like it's just amazing it's like i feel super lucky that you know, this sort of like lifetime of, you know, being at the intersection of technology and culture um, kind of culminates in in this world that, you know, you talk about on this podcast every week. Yeah. So. I, I'm curious, you know, given that you, you've seen obviously and worked on insanely um, polished, beautiful, um, easy to use products uh, over your career, when you look at Web3 and, and it was a great kind of analogy used early on with this idea that, you know, how hard it was to even get an mp3 to play or to explain to people you know we're facing that today in spades you know with with metamask and smart contracts and understanding what's going on there what are the the pain points that you see when you're watching users just interact with crypto in general and then how are you trying to fix those at ledger i mean there really are a lot of them but i also am really trying to avoid the thing where you go, oh, it's so hard to use and you sort of throw up your hands and then like, that's where the conversation ends. So I'm trying every time now, and I'd love to ask you this question, you know, what, you know, whenever someone says that, I'm like, what specifically are you referring to? So what I've found so far, and then I'm curious to hear, you know, if you have any additions to it, that the big ones are, and I'm going to kind of put them in order of the experience, not necessarily priority order, Mm -hmm. but the order of, you know, when I think about it with Ledger or any other wallet, you've got this issue of the 24 words and, and that self-custody part of it. And I think there's two levels of pain there. One is just this cognitive level of like, what is it? What are you talking about? Like, what are these words? Like, what am I, sp- what do they represent? And, and I think there are a lot of people who, who have been in the space for a while who don't really understand the threat model very well. Um, so one is like, if you don't understand it, then you don't, then you kind of don't take care of your 24 words. That's a, that's a really bad outcome, uh, mm-hmm. potentially. Um, you know, I mean, if you either just sort of neglect to put them somewhere safe, or maybe you screenshot them, or maybe you put them in, you know, like you email them to yourself. Like there's a bunch of things that coming from the web two world might seem normal that would, that are like completely di- disastrous in web three. And if you don't really understand the threat model, then, then you, um, 
you know, then, then you might just do the wrong thing. And, and then the other is like, you're like, but wait, I don't understand it. I, I recover. Can I recover on any wallet? Like, how does that work? And right. wait, if I have a backup, how does that work? And, and so, and, and also it's, it's once you, once you really get your head around it, then you realize how powerful it is, you know, that, um, but then you also understand where the threats are exactly. So that's why I say there's, there's kind of a usability challenge here, but there's also just like, it's going to take some time and maybe even a generation for people to understand this conceptually. Um, so I think that's a big one. And so we're working on making that a lot easier for people. And, you know, you can even think of going as far as backup and recovery of seed phrase in a secure way, um, you know, for people mm-hmm. that are, that want to opt into a service like that. And I think the other big one from a usability perspective is just connectivity to web three. So, you know, you've, you've got, you know, and, and that's a, and when you think about that across bro, both browser and mobile, and then the way that it connects to all these different sites and all these different chains, right? Because it's like, okay, well, let's say that I want to, in a given day, interact with, you know, OpenSeaObject.com, you know, and Magic Eden. Well, guess what? There's no wallet that does that. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a really basic one. Um, and, and so that's, you know, and, and so that's why we, we just announced um, two weeks ago Ledger Connect which is a cross-chain wallet to do exactly that. We're starting it as a Safari plugin for iOS because that's a place where, you know, it's sorely needed. There's basically no way to connect to Web3 um, from iOS that, that really works well and definitely no way that's cross-chain. So from our perspective, you know, the ability to use secure hardware like Ledger and then connect directly to Web3 through your browser, that's a pretty big step forward. You know, and I don't have to use Wallet Connect. I don't have to context switch. I just like do it all from inside of inside of my browser. So those are, I think, you know, two two really big ones. Um, and I think actually, you know, what I find with Ledger with people is that the onboarding step is very daunting to them. That once they're through that, it's it's actually you know it's pretty usable. And there are some there are some key problems like with that big problem of MetaMask um, and Ledger last summer. And even now that we're through that, you've got the simple things where like, okay, if I don't have the Ethereum app open at the time I, I you know, at the time I open my transaction, it doesn't open the app automatically. And you're just like, oh, it's so simple. You know, right. how, how we, you know, so there are, there are definitely those things that we're trying to kind of iron out, you know, one by one. Um, but really like once you get through the onboarding, you know, you can, you can do a lot of what you want to do pretty easily in your browser. Now, again, I don't want to say it's, it's for, for newbies, like for the reasons I just said, but we're, you can, I feel like I can see around the corner and see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so I really feel like if we can get that onboarding, you know, super smooth, and then we can, you know, get that connectivity to be really ubiquitous. We're, we're, we're at the next, the next plateau, um, of, of usability. And then I think we also need, um, bigger, you know, bigger screens ultimately. Um, so, you know, that's something that, that, you know, we would, we would also, we hear that from our customers, ledger customers, and we would, and we're, and we're pushing toward that as well. We had so, a bigger device, right? For a hot minute and then you guys abandoned it, right? Correct. We had the ledger blue, which, which, and this was the idea, bigger device, bigger screen. You know, the, 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 the device was really released prematurely. It, it just wasn't ready for prime time. And, and, you know, we pushed it to market anyway, and that was a mistake. We still use the blue with ledger enterprise. So if you're an enterprise customer, a bank, a government, a brand, you know, a big NFT project, anyone really who needs governance and you're using Ledger Enterprise, then you use Ledger Blue. 
but you know it's certainly you know in our minds and i won't say any more yet um but you know that that a you know a device with a bigger screen is something that it, that everybody including us wants so that that you'll definitely see us innovate there and then i think a couple other places that that really deserve innovation we also announced when we announced ledger connect a a, a product called web3 check and the idea with with that is just that your your wallet should be doing some sanity checks before you sign right i mean mm-hmm. um a you know you well i'll come to clear signing in just one second but you know before you do anything your wallet should be telling you like you know we've we know this contract and it it you know it's on the whitelist or it should say you know we've never seen this before this contract is not that old it there's something about it that is fishy doesn't match you know the url that you think it does whatever you know what i mean those kind of warnings um, which are sort of like, um, you know, phishing sort of warning. So that's, that's Web3 check. And then the other is, is really blind signing. I mean, think about what you go through with DocuSign. It's kind of a pain in the ass, right? You got to open the yeah. document, you look at the document, you sign in all these places. Maybe you read it, maybe you don't, but you could read it. It's all in front of you. Um, yet when we're, when we're signing, um, you know, when, when, we're, when we're signing a, a smart contract, we just go, Mm, yeah, it sounds good. Click. Yeah, and we're click signing click, this like yeah. totally immutable, um, you know, and we're just like, oh, blind sign. So, you know, we're, we're working on um, making that more human readable so that you can, you can, you know, see the wallet impact post sign, you know, you know, if this, I signed this transaction, I'm going to be down one board ape. Okay. Is that what I want? Um, you know, if so sign, if not, maybe reject you know so right or this puts this many nfts at exposure or risk or you know anything like that would be huge exactly so that that clear signing is is a big thing for us and we'll have more um we already have clear signing to send nfts so if you're sending nfts from one person to another you should definitely be using ledger live to do it because it's the only way to clear sign and send an nft from from hardware um you know but you know you 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 want to be placing bids and putting things on sale and, you know, lots of other things that you're, that you're blind signing for today that you should be clear signing for, particularly with the, you know, with the big sites, right? We're all kind of doing the same thing uh, all day, every day and, and decoding those contracts and giving you a human readable version of that is, is top. And, and that'll also, you know, that's also important. That's also why a bigger screen becomes important, right? Um, yeah. Be, because you want to, you want to be able to see more there's. So I think those are, those are all, those are all things that, that we're doing and, and, and need to be worked on. And I think that, you know, look, we're going to be using a second piece of hardware for a long time. Um, you know, the, the, the devices that we have on our desktops and, and in our pockets are, are not built for security. Um, you know, driving around LA, I'm sure you've seen these like Apple privacy ads. And I'm it's like, it just makes me want to give people copies of this is how they tell me the world ends, you know, because like, if you've read that book, then, you know, Apple, you know, you like, like tell, tell Jeff Bezos or Khashoggi that Apple is, you know, iPhone is a privacy device. Like, you know, sorry to be morbid, but seriously, you know, um, you know, if somebody wants into your phone, they're going to get into your phone period. Um, and so, you know, that's, uh, that, that's not going to be reality for the next few revs of, of any, you know, iPhone or Samsung device. So we're going to be using these, you know, secondary devices like a ledger, for the foreseeable future. Um, so, you know, we need to, we need to kind of, um, you, you know, we, we, we need collectively as an industry need to rebuild, um, you know, the, the, our web two devices, you know, ground up to be, 
uh, tar, you know, t- with Web3 in mind, with digital assets in mind, with security in mind, security of our identity, security of our email and our photos, et cetera. Um, Is there so ever think, a world, do you think we're, you know, there has been to, to your point though, the marketing is strong with these companies and you, you listen to Samsung and some others say, we've built these special, specialized chips that are dedicated security or Apple has their secure enclave or whatever it may be. Is there a world where you as a company ever get comfortable enough with some of the security, uh, you know, on chip security that Apple provides or some other manufacturer provides where you say, okay, we can, you no longer need to actually have a hardware key. We'll be the software that uses their uh, on device hardware. Or is, do you still think that's ever going to be possible? It's it's a great question. I think it. I think the day does come ultimately, um, and I think that the interesting thing about it is it's it's um, yes, it comes, and it's not that near. Um, you know, right now you know, you've got this secure enclave, but you still have to take the 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 you know the seed phrase out of the enclave to work with it, and then you know and then you know put it back in or delete it. So you, it, it does get exposed in in the way that the architecture um, is today. Um, you know, you can actually, Charles Guillemet, who's Ledger CTO did a nice, uh, talk on this at Ledger open in December, and it's available on our YouTube channel, uh, where he talks about, about this specifically. Um, at the same time, yes, I think, you know, the, the challenge that your phone has, it's, it's like, if I gave you the task of, of, you know, guarding a billion dollars in gold bars in, in a building, and you started on that task, and then I called you like a month into your planning, and I was like, "Oh, and, and by the way, I'm I'm going to put a nightclub and a shopping mall and a kindergarten on the ground floor of that building." You know, I mean, this is this is what your phone is contending with: is that you know, it's it's kind of trying to do everything. I mean, we all know right. like how many times have you had to update Chrome with a with a critical update in the past month, right? Like, I think at least twice in the past month. And so that's the challenge: is that they're trying to do so much. Now the magic of of what's interesting is the magic of Ledger is actually the same as the magic of Apple in that kind of unsung operating system level, right? I mean, hardware is hardware, and and yes, I mean Apple has done an incredible job with the M1, you know, et cetera. But you know the the you know you can you can take apart an iPhone and see what's inside of it, um, but really difficult to rebuild you know iOS or, or OS X. And and by the way, they're totally still reliant on things that were developed you know, at next in the late eighties in a way, you know, I mean, it's operating systems are, you know, kind of the ultimate in, you know, building on previous knowledge. Yeah. I think uh, it's still yeah. BSD behind the scenes on, on, on the OS side, right? Was exactly. it, was it BSD yeah, BSD, core or something? I, mean, I don't know what it is today, but I love, I always loved as a next fanatic and somebody that has the next logo tattooed on my leg circa 1991. The fact that the window was still called NS window on, on yeah. OSX, you know, I'm like, yes, I felt really vindicated. It's like, you know, yeah. I asked Tony Fidel this question straight up. I was like, without, am I right or am I wrong that without next step, we don't get iOS. And he's like, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I was like, oh, I loved hearing that. But that's really the point is, you know, the, the, what Ledger has that no one else has is this operating system, Bolos, which, um, you know, can take all of these plugins for, you know, almost 200 different types of digital assets um, and, and operate them on these very difficult to use secure elements uh, from SD Micro. Um, so I think that to answer your question, Kevin, like, could, could Bolos run, you know, on these secure elements inside of a Samsung or an Apple phone? I think so, yes. But I think that you would, you'd probably have to actually switch, you know, switch operating system on some level, right? Mm-hmm. Like you'd, you'd have this, this moment when you go from say Android, 
um, you know, to a secure operating system on a secure chip right. to, to do that signing. And then you can come back to the OS. Yeah. I was going to say that it sounds like the, the easy win here would be Samsung comes to you and says, Hey, like, you know, quote unquote, the old school Intel inside It's like, we want ledger inside exactly. and work with you directly to just put it directly in, in device. Right. Correct. And, you know, and, and, and Samsung, you know, has been an investor in ledger and, and we've certainly had those conversations and, and, you know, the, and I think the, I, I do think it's the, the thing I've become comfortable with is yes, this is in the future, but it's, it's, it's not, the future is not here today. And, and it, it also, this is another thing that kind of rings familiar. Um, you know, we had lots of, if you think about it, we were, we, you know, to your question earlier about the early Diamond Rios, you know, we all kind of imagined an iPod in 1998, but we didn't really, we didn't really get it. And it wasn't really popularized, you know, for an, another five years. And then it was another 10 years really before we got the iPhone. And then another five years after that, before there were, you know, billions of smartphones on the planet. So I think all of this stuff is inevitable. In any industrial transformation, you have an unbundling and a rebundling, right? So right now I'm carrying around a Web 2 device and a Web 3 device. And will there be a rebundling? Of course. Absolutely, right. of course. But I think it'll just take, take longer than your imagination might lead you to believe because security is genuinely hard. You know, that, that's, I think, another big lesson here. And I think this will also be a bit of a culture shift. You know, you think about it was a huge culture shift to get people to, to simply use the internet. I mean, I'm, you know, you remember the people in 1998 who said that they were never going to have an email address, right? right? And we remember the people in 2002 that said you were never going to be able to do video on the internet. And, you know, so there, there were a, really a lot of opinions had to be changed and minds had to be changed. And I think here you also have this this educational component where people have to go from click, 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 yes, 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 accept, 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 to, oh man, I'm carrying around a lot of digital value. I, I want to be really thoughtful about, you know, how I how I protect right. that. And that might be a smaller market at the beginning. Like I'm pretty sure if I got if I could get you to read the book, this is how they tell me the world ends, um, by Nicole Perlroth. And then I asked you, hey, would you like a phone that maybe doesn't play Clash of Clans, but it is really good at, um, you know, protecting your crypto value, your NFTs, your email, your photos and your messages? Would, would you be interested in such a device? I think you might go, yeah, yeah, actually, I, I would be interested in that device where a lot of people right now might not make that that trade off on the convenience side. Right? Yeah. You know, it's like. No, no, no. I need one device that, that my, my daughter is going to play Candy Crush on. And I, I want to have, you know, access to the sensitive data of, you know, every store in the LVMH network on my phone. I want one device that has both of those things. Yeah. I think we might look back on that as a kind of absurd, <laughs> you know, that, that you'd want one device for both of those things, but, but maybe not, maybe, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it'll, it'll kind of become capable of it over the next 10 to 15 years as well. As, as more and more people transition to a, a life, uh, away from centralized to decentralized and self custody, what are the risks there over the long term? Like, let's just say someone has they start off, they put 15 grand into the crypto markets today, you know, a decade from now, it's worth a half a million dollars more. They make a couple of good investments. Now they're sitting on this little USB stick somewhere that they have to take custody over or they, they're holding custody of and that they have to worry about because there is a burden that comes with that, right? There's something nice about 
this idea that if you have a bank account, you can kind of sleep okay at night, knowing that unless you're doing something insanely illegal, that it, the funds will be there in the morning. Um, and there is a route to resolution if should something go awry. In your mind, you know, as crypto, someone over 10, 20, 30 years, their assets get into the millions of dollars. Um, what are the protections here, and and how do we how do you solve for that? And then, how do you prevent the someone kicking in your front door and holding you up for your crypto? Like, are there going to be time de- delay withdrawals? Like, what what's what's your thinking there? Yeah, it's it's a it's a great question, and I think it's really fun to imagine. You know, what does the future look like in terms of both self custody and and custody? It's a and I think the way that the way that I would answer this is I think what you're you're going to have is a lot of consumer choice around these and and more than you have today. Um, you know, the, the, let's let's be honest. The banking system today has has a lot of difficulties built into it. I mean, I just tried to transfer last week. I tried to transfer money from my French bank account with my name on it to my U.S. bank account with my name on it, and it cost me 45 minutes in the bank, two additional phone calls. Um, with the bank and, you know, the kind of indignity of being treated like I might be a terrorist or a drug dealer, Um, you know, and that's the banking system that we have today. I wanted to buy a mountain bike this week, um, but I was trying to buy it on the French specialized site with my US card. Mm, I still haven't been able to buy the mountain bike. Um, I, I can't actually do that. Um, my, my French bank card, it's over the limit of what that will will allow me to do an, in, in a day so you know i mean so so this is kind of the world that we're in now which is often an advertisement um for for cryptocurrency and and, and owning your own money and also i think you know as you know derek edward schloss who you who you had on one of my favorite interviews ever by the way thank you so much for 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 introducing me to to that incredible incredible brain yes um you know as he says very well, we're, we're going through this kind of once in humanity digitization of everything. And when you think of it that way, you realize there are tons of things that you have in self-custody today that will be digitized, um, whether that's your art or your passport and your driver's license um, or, you know, your, your kind of your collectibles, your, your, your vinyl records, your, um, you know, photos. Um, you know, I've been taking the, the, the photos that I, that I take of, of, um, you know, friends and family and, you know, minting them on object and dropping them in their wallets, you know, um, you know, so you, there are tons of things in your life that you have self custody of today that you'll have self custody of tomorrow digitally before we even, before we even think about, about money. Um, and then money, I think that there are many people that, that, you know, if you look at what's going on in El Salvador where people are saving for the first time, um, you know, because of, uh, because of Bitcoin, you know, the first time is, you know, culturally that they're saving. Um, and then, you know, I, I can absolutely imagine, um, you know, a bankless life for myself where, you know, my, my paycheck goes directly into my ledger. It gets split into spending and savings. Spending is a stable coin. Um, savings is crypto. And I have my ledger card, which pays me cash back in crypto. And that's how I, that's how I off ramp generally speaking, um, is using that card. I'm talking in the short term, like this is my life in, in, in the next year. Um, and then my savings is potentially on, um, other, other nanos, right? I've got multiple devices. Um, I can have those in, you know, in, in multiple places and safe places. And, you know, I, I have zero risk of a run on the bank. 
you know, there's, you know, if, if I, there's, there's no such, there's no such thing in this case. I don't have to, you know, go through what I went through to be treated like a criminal to transfer money um, from kind of one account to another. And now what I need to worry about is kind of OPSEC. You know, I've, I've, I've got to, you know, worry about your second question, which is, all right, am I sure I'm not going to lose these seed phrases? Um, am I comfortable with my personal security relative to these devices? Um, and I think those are, those are good questions and it has to do with, you know, the amount of money, the amount of risk you're willing to take, you know, where you are in the world, um, you know, your, your family situation, et cetera. So mm-hmm. I think there absolutely will be, you know, custody. There will be, you know, there'll be reasons to, you know, to, to use custodial solutions and hopefully those custodial solutions will be backed by Ledger Enterprise, like say crypto.com is, um, you know, they're, you know, and, or, and, or some sort of incredible hardware security. Hopefully they're not, your, you know, your exchange isn't just using, you know, multiple nanos with some, you know, w- w- with some, uh, with some multi-sig and, and, and there are seed phrases that live with individuals because that's incredibly dangerous place for your money to live as well. Right. So I think you need to think about this, this security side of things, whether you're with a custodian or, um, you know, or you're an individual. And the reality is on the personal security side is that, you know, the good news is your 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 ledger is not valuable to anyone if you're dead, right? Um, and you know if you if you put the passcode into a ledger wrong three times, it'll brick. So mm-hmm. you know you, it's not that hard to kind of make the device effectively disappear. So that, I didn't tell you, know, you this, but my girls did that to me last week, and I came out with my ledger, and I was like, oh my god, because I left it sitting out, and you know I've got a three and four year old, and like it was wiped, it was completely wiped, and there I was just like, okay, let's uh, let's go to the bank and see if that hardware game works. You know, it's <laughs> exactly. like exactly that recovery phrase. I hope yeah. so. Oh my god, it, it worked, but it was scary for a minute. Yeah, of course. Well, and I'll tell you, I had, um, you know, I had, a, I had a, an exec in the crypto industry, and I who will remain unnamed, who texted me one night and said, "Wait, if I put the wrong password in this thing three times, you you got a way out for me, or am I screwed?" I'm like, "I have no way out for you. There's no yeah. way out. Like that's this is the way the security works." I'm, I'm, and uh, you know, so he did something smart. He actually didn't try to put the password in a three time, the third time. He got a second ledger, got his recovery phrase out. Um, you know, and set it up with the recovery phrase. And then boom, he had his accounts in his second device and he was good. You know, I was at a proof, I was at the proof meetup in Lisbon, by the way, thank you again. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm doing the talking here, but I really, you know, please come on the ledger podcast. I, I want to, I, I want to interview you. There's so many questions to ask you, but thank you for introducing me to so many amazing people. Proof people I have sought me out at VCon. And of course they were brilliant and we had a really fun proof meetup in in lisbon and the person i was sitting next to was like you know i wouldn't carry my ledger around with me because i I would be worried about losing it and i was like i'll tell you what why don't i just send you five and set them all up with the same passphrase and then carry them around who cares yeah right and um you know and and that's you know because you you really are you, you really are safe now would i put my entire like bag on it no but would i would i have you know a little kind of walking around eth so that i can you know jump into a mint yeah wherever i am exactly. of course absolutely yeah i'm the same way and you just use an eight pin character don't use the four four pin passphrase to go to eight and you're exactly. fine exactly 
Yeah, exactly. Use an eight pin. And then remember that you can, you know, put a passphrase on it so that you've got a second set of accounts. So you've got this right. plausible deniability as well. So there's, there, there, there are good ways to do OPSEC there that you really don't need to worry. And this is also why it's important to have a device like a ledger that has a secure element in it. You know, I mean, whenever somebody tells me they have, you know, a competitor's device that doesn't have a secure element in it, who, who will remain name, nameless, I always offer to trade. I'm like, I'll tell you what, let me borrow that one for 24 hours. You borrow mine for 24 hours. I'll bring it back to you tomorrow. Yeah. And because I can hit that thing with the laser and get the keys off of it right away, which is also why I wouldn't want to leave it in my apartment unattended. Right. So, you know, I think that- How does that work? When you say hit it with a laser, what does that mean? Well, so and there's a video on the Ledger website where the there's a, we have this series called Enter or Enter the Don, Donjon, D-O-N-J-O-N, the dungeon. Um, these are our, these are, these, we, Ledger has, look, I'm just a mouthpiece, man. Let's be clear. Ledger is- is full of the best security experts in the world. And, you know, I'm doing my job and they do theirs, which is, you know, they, they break shit. Um, there's no company in the world that, that, um, that, you know, presents two or three papers at Black Hat every year, except for, except for Ledger. And so there's a series on YouTube that we did called Enter the Dungeon, and you can watch them, um, you know, break uh, devices in a variety of ways. Um, but you know, the reality is some people have prioritized open source over security I and mean, we love open source. Ledger live is open source. Everything we can is open source. We don't make the secure elements, so we can't open source them. Um, but you know, these are the, these are the chips that are in your credit card and have been like battle tested for, for years and years and years. Whereas, you know, you're using a chip that's not a secure element. There's ways to, you know, to freak that chip out and get it to, to give up you know, information or passphrases, mm. et cetera. Um, and that's, you know, and, and this is, this is where like, you know, the, which, what you're using there really, you know, really matters. Like the, you know, the chip that's inside really matters. Has there ever been any zero day exploits on ledger? You know, I, I'm wouldn't want to say no, because I think that there have been some, I don't want to, you know, really it's a question for Charles Guillemet because he'd answer it. My recollection is, and again, I've only been with the company for 18 months so there, since I've been at the company. No. Um, but I, my, my recollection is, is that, you know, there, there have been some, uh, you know, some bounties claimed uh, for, for things in the past. Um, and there have been things that have been improved, right? Such as, you know, you, you, uh, you know, when you, when you put your passcode in, you'll notice that it randomizes the number every time. Yes. I noticed and, that, it, you know, and that's so that no one can look over your shoulder and count the number of presses and, and, you know, sort of derive what your passphrase is by just kind of listening to you click, you know, those mm -hmm. sort of things. Right. But that, that's a great question actually for, for Charles Guillemet, who's the, the CTO. I, I shouldn't answer questions that he's, you know, that he's much more expert at. Um, yeah. Well, the good news is they're air, air gapped, right? So it's not like someone could come in and even if there was an exploit, um, come in and, and, you know, sit next to you and, and exploit it unless you had, it, presumably when you plug it in, it'll check for an update and make sure there's a patch, you know? Correct. Yeah. And, and you, yeah, you're, and, and your, your keys are always offline. So, you know, and, and that's also why, like if something was found, you know, an exploit couldn't happen at scale, right? Because, right. you know, neither of our ledgers are online right now waiting to be exploited. Right. Um, exactly. You know, so, so that's, it's just, yeah. And then this is, I love it. I mean, it's been really, I have this whole process has been so great for me, you know, all the way back to 2009, because I had, you know, again, I'm a skateboarder. I, I never really thought about what is money actually. Yeah. Right? So that this whole process of understanding that, and also, yeah, I studied computer science, but I didn't, I didn't study cryptography and security. Um, and, you know, I think that these things are, are a part of our lives in a different way. You know, I was listening to, 
Scott Galloway's show and he had, I wish I remember the guy's title, but, but somebody from the business school at Harvard and Scott asked him, you know, about some advice for students. And the guy said, study cryptography. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's a closet bull. This guy realizes that digital assets are a huge part of the future of humanity. And he's encouraging people to kind of get their head around the way this stuff works because it's going to be an increasingly important part of your life. And yeah, I, I think that that is, you know, kind of where we are and understanding this stuff is, um, is super, super, super important to keeping yourself safe. This is why I actually, I mean, I mentioned it, th- this will be the third time, I apologize, but that book that Nicole Perlroth wrote, This is How They Tell Me the World Ends. I'm downloading um, it, yes. You know, when, once you realize that, you know, that you don't ever think like, hey, what if the place that I'm getting my clean water from runs on Windows 95? Like, there's a good reason that that thought never comes into your head. But mm-hmm. if it did, you might, it might scare the shit out of you, right? And, and when you just sort of like multiply that across all of the places that we're reliant on technology in our lives, um, you realize that, it, yeah, I mean, this, you know, security is, is incredibly important. We've kind of given over in this Web2 world. Um, we've kind of given away sovereignty. You know, we don't own CDs or DVDs, which maybe is fine, but we also don't own our identity. And, you know, and, and I think that we'll get a lot of that back, but with that is going to come the responsibility of, of keeping it safe. So to your question, I think we're going to have a lot of, you know, custody and those custodians are going to be holding for us digital assets that could be lost. And then I think we're also going to have a lot of things in our lives that are self-custody. And I think that's going to bring a lot of freedom to a lot of people because it will, it will give, um, you know, liquid assets um, and assets that could be liquid internationally to a lot of people. I mean, you and I know that just a really simple story of, you know, an artist in some far flung corner of the world who, you know, might have a very difficult time reaching an audience given where they live. But, you know, when they're participating in this always liquid, always on 24 seven digital asset market, they actually have the same access to you know, sustenance that an artist in New York or Paris does. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's going to be incredible. And it's going to be powered by, you know, by blockchains, not a bank located in the United States, period. So that's, I, I think it's, um, I think it's as big as the internet or bigger, right? Revolution of information, revolution of value. So I think it's, you're going to have kind of a lot of consumer choice to come back to my initial answer. Yeah. When you think about, um, you you're so at the perfect position and and probably you, know, you mentioned earlier about being pitched to music nft projects um today alone uh, you probably see a lot of what's going on out there so two two questions be, before we wrap things up one i'd love to know um what are the common mistakes security wise that internally at ledger you all just kind of like you know hand to forehead and they're like how are people still doing this and any tips on things that people can do to or or avoid doing um that would really help them secure their assets and and then the last question would just be what's the cool stuff that you're seeing out there today yeah so on the security side i think there's two sides of it one is on the consumer side and the other is on on the enterprise side and you know the consumer side the good news is is that there's really good traction especially in communities right when you look at communities that have a lot of value in them you know like board apes like punks like proof um you see a really high percentage of of ledger usage 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes perfect sense because you've got a community. First of all, people do get wrecked and everyone, when someone in your community gets wrecked, you pay attention. You're like, oh man, that could have been me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, then people invest in, in, in like both education and, and getting a ledger. So, you know, but then when you go down, let's say you go down to the BFF community where it's a lot of people who are like, Hey, I'm new here. Right. You know, the, 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 the penetration of ledger goes way down and that's, you know, so we're always trying to do education in those communities. And that education is around if, if the value on your wallet is worth more than $80, which is what a nano S plus costs and you should invest in a nano S plus, right? That's, that's pretty, pretty simple math. Right. Um, and, and you move your assets to, um, to a ledger and you, and you, you know, you've eliminated a lot of risk, you know, just by doing that. But then there's a lot of other things that you need to pay attention to. Where are you putting that seed phrase? And, and, you know, how, how hard have you thought about that? You know, are you sure that you can recover? Do you want to have a backup device? Yeah. Um, and where do people put it? Do you do do surveys like anonymous surveys? People put it under their mattress, so they like you know their house cleaners discovering it. Like what? What are some of the stories we were just like that is a bad place? It's a it's a great question. I mean, we hear the horror stories as you can imagine. You know, I'm talking I'm talking about companies that have you know millions of dollars on a ledger, and you know the seed phrase is with the CEO who has it in his one password, and then somebody hacks his one password, and the company loses all their money, and the company is fire sold. You know, or you know, and then to come to the enterprise side, you know, like companies where the seed phrase is with the IT guy and the IT guy disappears and so does the money, you know, I mean, so I, I think we sell a lot of the, of the crypto steel like products. So crypto steel, crypto tag, bill foldal, um, which are fireproof proof ways to store them. And then you need to store them someplace that no one can get to them. Right. So sometimes you split them into, um, into two or into three and put them in multiple locations. So if one place is discovered, you know, the others are not, or if you can, if you have two of three, then you can, then you can recover. Um, you know, people definitely use safe deposit boxes, which, you know, I, there's an irony to, you know, putting your seed phrase in a bank, yeah, but, still, totally. <laughs> um, but still, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it is a, it is a, a, you know, it's, it's great to not have that seed phrase in your apartment, um, you know, or, or your, or your home. Um, you know, so I, and that's why we don't really make a recommendation because it's very personal based on who you are and, and, you know, who knows about it, you know, does your wife know about it or not? I mean, that's a very personal decision, but it's also why I think having a backup and recovery service for seed phrases is, you know, is, is super valuable if, um, if you can pull it off securely. So let's say that, let's say that we have some ideas on that. Um, you know, and I, and I think that the other big thing that, that people need to understand is the, the danger of, um, of interacting, you know, even with a ledger and blind signing and not knowing what it is you're doing. I mean, these psychological attacks are insidious. You know, you've got the simple ones, which is just like, I'm going to DM you telling, they're, telling you there's a magic Moonbirds drop. Kevin just woke up in the middle of the night and decided that Moonbirds has a, has a mint that's available right now, and but it's only available right now, you know. And then you're like, oh my God, I, I want it. And then you realize fuck you know you you, right. you got had so that that stuff is very 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 real and where there's value people are going to come after it. and some of them are really sophisticated i mean you know you've read the ones where it's like oh you think you're hiring this new designer for you know for proof and you know six weeks later you find out that you know he's he, it's 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 him and you know four other people who have been you know like working you right so this stuff is is I mean, very hard to, um, you know, there's not technology really that can, you know, that can save you from things which are purely psychological, but, 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 you know, people need to be aware that it's out there. And I think we need more protections like what we're doing with Web3 Check that will, that will mitigate those. 
I think the thing I find most shocking is on the enterprise side, because there are so many people now that are companies who have Web3 value, and they're still storing it um, in, a, in a kind of a, 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 a solution that was designed for an individual, right? You know, it's, it's, I remember having, you know, talking with my friend who's the chief digital officer at Caring, and, you know, this is, this is early last year. And saying like, wow, caring is going to have a lot of digital assets. Like, okay, so who's going to have that seed phrase? Your most trustworthy IT guy? Like, I don't, I don't think so, man. Right. right. And this is where we spent the last year making Ledger Enterprise work for customers like that. I like threw my body across the tracks at LVMH last year because there were brands that had digital assets that were only protected by MetaMask plus Chrome. Oh, and, the IT, and the IT guy had the recovery phrase. Right. And I'm like, guys, I'm sorry. I'm sitting right here. You can't do this to me. Right. Um, we, you know, this is, and it was on us too. Like, we needed to make Ledger Enterprise work for brands like this. It's been working for, you know, three years for, for banks and, and governments. But, you know, it, what's the model that works, you know, for a, for a brand or a small brand or someone like you, Kevin? Um, and so we've had to, had to make that happen. But you, if, you know, in, in any case, you need three things you, you need to own your own contracts right? You can't, those can't sit somewhere else. Right. You have to have hardware security, right? It can't only be protected by your phone. It can't only be protected by your browser. And you have to have governance because, you know, if you can't have this quadriga thing, you know, where, you know, I'm not, I hate to say it, but what if the person that holds that seed phrase gets hit by a bus or, you know, they're, they're right. wherever they're keeping that seed phrase gets hacked. And, you know, generally if you're a business, I mean, we have, we have banks that have, you know, a thousand ledger blues in them where people have different rights because these people can spend up to 50 grand, but over that it needs two of three signatures and over another number, it needs three of five signatures. And one of them has to be the CFO, you know, like you need that level of governance when you're dealing with, with digital assets as a, as a business, right? So that's what, that's what ledger enterprise is about. And it's interesting because I mean, almost no one has that like name you know, one NFT project, which has, you know, that level, you know, that has the kind of bank or government level of security. Now, I think two years from now, it'll be everybody. Um, but today, you know, uh, it's, it's just not, it, it's just not really anywhere. So those are, those are the big ones. Well, I need to have you back on to do a proper round table and, and go deep on the, all the projects and cool stuff you're seeing as well. I would, I would love to. I mean, I love it so much. VCon last week was super inspiring. I, I think, you know, and the one thing I'll say before we close to answer your second question is I just, I think the quantum guys have quantum.art. I think they have the rhythm down, right? Yeah. If, you look at it, if you look at what they're doing, you know, it, they've, got they've got the right balance of supply and demand where, you know, you can kind of bet that, you know, things mint out quickly, they hold their value. Um, and, it, and it's also really fun and really qualitative. So that's one of my favorite things. I'm watching what Scott's doing with Scab Shop every day because that's right in the zone for me. Yeah, know? same. I own like four Scab Shop passes. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I, you know, I love the people. I love the art. And I love that it changes you know, these artists who are fine artists that were paid by the hour into, you know, into purely fine art artists whose art is going to outlive humanity because it's on the blockchain. I think that's super exciting. So but cool. There's so much fun stuff out there. I, I'm, you know, uh, I, I love it. My, my record buying has gone down in the past year and I'm not proud of that, but it's because my attention has been put here. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Ian, thank you so much for being on the show. Let's get you back on and do a proper like 
deep dive into a bunch of different projects. I know you mentioned enjoying Derek's content. We're going to do a roundtable soon. We, the three of us, should jump on and, and Man, chat would, about all things. That would be that'd be a huge honor. That dude's brain is one of is, it's so I'm, great. I'm, I'm a fan. So of both you guys. So thank you so much. Thank you for what you do. It's really, really, truly a pleasure. And um, yeah. Oh, thank you for helping making us more secure. I'm excited. You know, we've got a thousand um, ledgers that we're going to order for the Proof Collective. Um, you know, we really want to make sure that we're doing uh, going above and beyond and continue to educate. You know, not just Proof members, but everyone, because this is it's going to be you know a couple of years till we sand down on a bunch of these rough edges. And I know that Ledger is leading the way here, so I'm excited for that. Like all the stuff that you mentioned, I'm like, why do we not have this right now? <laughs> like, you know, it's like I just can't wait. But it's 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 refreshing and, and exciting to know that you all are, are building this because it's it, you said all the, the things i wanted you to say i didn't know what you were going to say but it's that those are all the pain points where i was like yes 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 we need that we need that we needed that yesterday you know totally i know we feel the same way and we're and we're working on it man as hard as we can please you know you know come over and visit us too i'd love to, to take you yeah on let's, tour. let's swap I'll, podcasts I'll, I'll jump on your show as well yeah, and then, please come on our show and then come to paris and i'll take you on the tour of the dungeon fantastic all right well thanks ian of course man all right that is it for this episode thanks so much for tuning in if you would like to help us out head on over to proof.xyz and click on the reviews button at the very top and leave us a five-star review thanks so much take care